Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today is John 4, verses 1 through 14. Now, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field where Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so was Jesus. Wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked to drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whomever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. This is the word of the Lord. We are between two different sermon series, which means that I have the opportunity to share a standalone message on anything I would like to. So I will take that liberty to share a message that I've been feeling and sensing and thinking upon for a long time. Um, I want to begin just kind of an all-play question for us to consider with one another. Let's say someone asked you to describe your church. How would you hope to describe that community? This church would be these different characteristics. What are those characteristics that you hope that you would use to describe that community? Welcoming. Welcoming. Giving, loving. Compassionate. Family. Family. Fun. Dog friendly, yes. (laughs) That's good. I, uh, it was about five years ago, I was in Minneapolis, uh, and I had the opportunity to visit a friend's church, and on that Sunday, I got to hear uh, my my friend preach a a message, and when I was in that, uh, in that church that day, and I heard my friend share a message, I thought to myself, that's the kind of church I would love to be a part of. And not only that, but that's the kind of church I think that Austin needs. And five years later, when I look around our midst, it seems as if that's the kind of community that we are becoming. It was depicted in this concept of wells and fences. Wells and fences. Imagine a rancher who had the responsibility of taking care of livestock or deer or a flock or whatever, there's two different ways that you could provide for and protect your flock. You could have fences. So here's a little depiction. If y'all have never seen a fence, this is how they work. 
<laughs> Fences protect a flock by creating a barrier by which outsiders, dangerous outsiders, can't get in. And you make sure that you make sure that that which you're responsible for stays where they belong, that they don't wander off. Now, the problem with fences, especially uh, in this case, is they take a lot of work. My in-laws, they own a ranch with uh, hundreds and hundreds of acres, half of which is in low fence area and half of it's in high fence. The high fence area means that those animals, they aren't going anywhere. The deer, they can't jump over their fence. And so they are in this space. But it also means that uh, predators have a harder time getting in. Deer that you don't want can't just jump in and eat all the food or take care of all, uh, take all the provision. And having a high fence like this, it takes a ton of work because you have to make sure that everything inside that fence has everything they need to flourish. So you have to always maintain, like, all right, is there enough food? Is there enough drink? Is the provision enough, enough shelter? Whatever is needed, you have to make sure that it's provided there. You also have to make sure that the fence never opens up, that there's not a gap where a predator could come in because the, the deer can't go anywhere. They're stuck there. And so it's, it's, it's so much energy to maintain and manage uh, the, the crowd that you're responsible for as well as maintain and manage the fence. It takes a lot of work. Now, the alternative from a fence is you could have a well. Now, animals are smarter than you, we might assume. They won't venture off to where life flourishes. If there is well, if there is a food and provision and shelter, then they will stay near that well because uh, it provides for their well-being. They know instinctively also where there's a better well, where there's better provision, and they'll migrate to wherever that is. And so in a low fence area or when you have no fence at all, life has a tendency to surround wells. We even might imagine that in, in the pictures we have of uh, you know, Africa, of safaris, where you just see this community that, of just diversity that gathers around a watering hole because it creates this unique sense of community and care and protection is formed. So let's consider the differences. I'm so thankful that our screens are working right now. Um, so let's consider the differences between fences and wells. With fences, attention is on policing the fence, making sure the fence is up and good. With wells, the attention is on the faithfulness of the well. You keep going back there over and over again to find, oh, it's still providing for us. With fences, community is built upon exclusion. We have a sense of community that's we're safe from whatever's protecting us from the other side of the fence. With wells, a community is built upon a common thirst. With fences, a movement is contained. The animals can't freely come and go as they want. So they're stuck there. They're contained. With wells, movement's free to come and go, to be expansive, to allow others in. With fences, it fosters a scarcity mindset. Why? Because you, they can't go if that provision runs out. Like they're stuck there. And so you can almost imagine when you're in a fenced-in area, whenever you take more, that means I might have less. And so it, it fills this kind of scarcity mindset. With wells, it fosters this abundance mindset, especially if you continually return to that well and it has not run dry. And for generations, it's been that way. 
With fences, unity comes from fear of the common enemy. We're safe here, protected from whatever's on the other side of that fence. So it's us versus them. With wells, unity is built on this commonality of need. It has a different form of community. Now, in many ways, fences and wells, they serve similar goals, but man, do they produce drastically different fruit with different approaches. They have different effects. What is interesting is that this is not only something you can find in the wild, but it's something that is part of group dynamics. Psychologists have, have a similar point of view. Where they talk about it uh, with different terms. They call it a bounded set versus a centered set. And it's many ways the same different factors as you've seen uh, in ranching is a bounded set versus a centered set. Bounded set describes when a group's identity is based on a list of beliefs, actions that bind people together. You can clearly see this in middle schools, right? You belong if you act like us, you talk like us. If you're against the same other group, then you're more part of the in crowd. And so you just see these young people desperate to not be alone just take on the identity of whatever clique that they're a part of. And uh, they act like each other, they talk like each other, they look like each other. Um, And when people are different, they find themselves on the other side of the fence. Now, this is not only in middle schools. Sadly, this is a part of our culture in many different ways, oftentimes in churches. So churches oftentimes create a sense of identity by knowing who is in and out based on a bounded set of beliefs and actions. You are in when you have learned to believe what we believe. Pray like us, talk like us, look like us, dress like us, vote like us. And we learn to, we are going to celebrate the same things together. We're going to despise the same people together, the same things together. And as religious communities live in a bounded set, the natural byproduct is that fences are created. The fences are put down. And we now know who is in and who is out. Now, the fence could be a sense of list of actions that we all have to do together. Or it could be a sense of dogma or doctrine that if you want to belong, you have to believe word for word what we believe. And if you don't, then you're on the other side of the fence until you've proven that you are worthy to be uh, on, the, on this side. And so that fence could be the same mindedness on same many issues, social issues, political issues, even racial sameness. We see that oftentimes fences of exclusion around that. Now, confession for me personally is there have been many times in my life where I have thought that I was inside the fence. And then without even knowing it, by something I said or did or believed, one day I found myself on the outside of the fence. I'm sure maybe you have too. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. Sorry, we don't ask those questions here. We don't believe those things here. We don't welcome those kind of people here. I've been kicked out of the fence because I was too conservative. I've been kicked out of other fences because I've been too progressive. And if you have experienced that enough, if you've seen that enough in our world, then you subtly learn to be fearful of when it's your turn. 
When it's your turn, when you venture too far, you begin doubting the wrong things and asking too many questions and maybe you're seeking a different vocabulary to express your soul and nope, we don't do that here. And instead, if you've seen that happen enough, you learn to get in line. Don't stick your neck out. Just copy and paste the things that our group has deemed like it's a, it's a part of our identity, or else you could be next. Maybe you're even here today because you have found yourself on the outside of a fence. Maybe you're listening to this message because of the same thing, and you've wondered if I belong anywhere. The kind of church that I hope to be a part of, the kind of church I hope the vine to be, is not a church built around fences, but a church that's centered on a well. Rather than depending on the fence to do what we know it can't do, what if we return to a well that is enough for us to gather around? I find that so clearly presented in John chapter four. In this conversation that Jesus has with this beloved woman, this woman found herself on the outside of so many fences. First off, this woman was a Samaritan. For those who um, maybe don't know the history, Samaria bordered north of Israel. And the problem with Samaritans were when many years before, um, another nation came and sacked Israel, overturned and attacked and, and took many people away. But there are some people that intermarried with, those, with that community. They're called the Assyrians. And so Samaritans were Israelites in many ways who married their conquerors. And after that was over and done with, uh, the Jewish community despised them. Fences were put up. The Samaritans, they couldn't even, were not even allowed to go worship in the temple, so they created their own temple. Uh, the Jewish community freely and without any shame called them dogs, half-breeds, that was their common name. Jewish people didn't associate with them. They intentionally walked around Samaria, even if it was a longer trip. And notice in our passage today in John chapter 4, it says that Jesus had to go there, had to go there, had to bust through that fence. This woman had other issues, other fences that she was afflicted with in her life, uh, she was simply a woman in a very patriarchal uh, setting. Women were devalued. They were seen as property. They were not given the same um, uh, value and worth. And so Jesus was they were surprised to find Jesus with a woman. But more than that, she was a woman of ill repute. She had questionable character. She was not an upstanding, God-fearing, church-going person, perhaps, in our minds, as, how we, as we might imagine her. This is why she was drawing water at this well in the middle of the day when no one else was there, is that even within her own community, she experienced fences. And so, this caused her to return to the well because of her need. And it was at this well, this, this literal well, where she meets Jesus, Verse 7 in John chapter 4, we find these words. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? 
I love the fact that this whole conversation begins by Jesus also being needy, being just a common person and saying, hey, will you help me? A common need. This woman, the Samaritan woman, said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Another way of saying it is, hey, buddy, observe the fences. <laughs> you can't talk to me. We're not supposed to be doing this. What are you up to? And then Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see what Jesus is doing in these, in these few words? Jesus is redirecting the attention from fences to a well, to a truer well, living water. And this woman in verse 11 says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Notice the fences coming back up. Our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank it from himself, and also did his sons and livestock. Who are you? Who are you to do that? Are you better? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this woman, she knows her thirst. And she's tired of having that thirst make her go out into this well. And this offer that Jesus gives her, it rings true. It expands her with hope. Tired of the fences all she wants is water, and so she responds, Sir, give me this water so I don't have to get thirsty. I have to keep coming here to draw the water. I'm tired of being thirsty. Okay, Jesus, everything is lined up. You've expressed yourself. She's expressed her thirst. You've made this promise. She's ready for it. She's asked for it. Land the plane. She's ready for it. And you know, always be closing. She is ready to close the deal right here. And then Jesus says, great salesman here, Jesus, go call your husband and come back. She replied, I have no husband. Ah, you were right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. And the man now you have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. No, Jesus. It just fell apart. It just got awkward. You lost the lead, you know? But see, Jesus, he wants to go deeper. He wants to move this woman through the physical thirst to reveal a thirst of the soul, a deeper need, and more than that, a deeper provision. If you were to read this story, as it goes from here, it goes back and forth between a promise of a well in these fences that this woman is so used to. She goes on to say, well, we worship here. You're supposed to worship over on that side of the fence. But then Jesus continues to show the expansiveness and the inclusion that he has around his well for a woman like her. Jesus says to her in verse 23, a time has coming and how has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. It's not about being on the right side of the fence. It's not about the fence at all. Jesus is saying here it's about being 
uh, worshiping with God's spirit and in truth. And this woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus said, one of the most clear declarations that Jesus ever made of himself, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And at this, this despised, lonely, shamed woman experiences something profound. She realizes that Jesus' grace and mercy is willing to break through all of the fences to come to her in that space, to find her and to set her free with a different kind of well, a well that never runs dry. Why didn't Jesus land the plane earlier? Why did he make it super awkward? Why did he drudge up her relational status? Was, it try, was he trying to guilt her or shame her to put her on another side of the fence? No. I think Jesus wanted to ensure something. What if this woman had this encounter with Jesus without that being known? What if Jesus had this interaction with this woman and she expressed her need and Jesus said, okay, my, my living water's for you without the rest of her life being known or spoken of. I think she probably would have left there and in her mind she said, that's really nice what Jesus did for me. But she probably always would have wondered, but what if he really knew me? What if he really knew me? Would he accept me then? Would he offer me this well of grace? But we see here, this is good news. This is the gospel in many ways, is that Jesus fully knew her inside and out and wanted to give her something that would satisfy her more than just another lover. He wanted to provide the embrace of mercy and grace. This well was meant for someone just like you. In this beloved woman, she experiences a transformation. The disciples show up. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you speaking to her? Verse 28, I love the subtlety, but the profound nature of these words. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, she found a deeper well, a deeper provision. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Notice what she said about Jesus. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This liberated her, even through the fences in her own community, to go back to, to be this evangelist, saying that Jesus knows me inside and out, and he promised me something. This well isn't for people who put their best foot forward. This well isn't those, for those who maintain a religious shell, who fake it till they, till they make it. It's for people who know that they are thirsty. That's who this well is meant for. People who are fully known and yet they're still invited to come and drink. It seems like the only requirement to come to this well is a requirement of thirst those who are in need of mercy, of new beginnings, of healing and wholeness. This is the well that is found in Jesus, and it's meant for you and I still today. If we were to look at that same chart earlier around wells and fences and ranching, I'm, sure, I'm just curious what we see about how we can be a different kind of church, 
rather than attention being on policing the fence, what if our attention's on the, the faithfulness of God's provision in Jesus? What if our community is not built on exclusion of us versus them? What if our community is built upon common thirst and also the common claims that Jesus has for life and for humanity? Instead of, instead of being a church where movement is contained, what if we actually open up ourselves so that people can move and be able to be accessible What if instead of being a church that fosters a scarcity mindset, what if we believe in the expansive abundance that is in Christ? And what if rather being a church that finds unity from a common enemy, what if we find a unity built upon a common need that we find in Jesus? Just take this in for a second. The difference of being a community based on fences versus wells. I talk to people all the time who have a complicated relationship with church. And they have like an allergy towards being an organized religion. And oftentimes it's because of issues of fences. Yet, those, many of those people, they can't seem to leave Jesus. They can't seem to quite shake Jesus. So many of those descriptions I find within this idea of wells. What if we put Jesus in the middle of who we are, middle of our church's identity? What if we put following the way of Jesus in the middle of our daily life? What if we put Jesus' promises and claims in the middle of our fears and our dreams? I think that's what people are longing for. And the beauty of wells is they are accessible from every direction. They create a beautiful diversity that's created in ways that fences cannot and will never provide. Now, I'm sure some could at this point go, come on, we can't get rid of all the fences, right? Does that mean that everything goes, right? I would actually say that a Jesus-centered spirituality, a Jesus-centered lifestyle is actually a higher bar than believing in a particular dogma, rule book, Uh, that can be used to exclude. Why? Because Jesus' life and teaching and his claims are radical. (laughs) They're they're not a low bar. For us to take seriously following the way of Jesus and putting Jesus at the middle of our community, that's challenging. To love neighbor as self, to love enemy, to turn the cheek, to give to the poor, a life of self-examination where we consider the sins of our life and confess them to one another, to God, a life of downward descent where we get more and more looking like the servant Jesus who is upon his knees washing the feet of his disciples. This isn't anything goes, but this lifestyle is a part of the well, sending ourselves around the well. And as we come to this well and draw out a different way to love and to live, we will be transformed. Friends, I truly hope and pray that the vine will be a community that focuses on the well of Christ, that is Jesus. We put Jesus in the center of our life and our mission and our identity, and we tear down every single fence that is used in our world, in our day and age, that holds people back creates barriers, makes enemies, so that we can say to anyone and to everyone, come with me. 
I have found a source of hope. I have found a source of life and of healing. I know a place where you can go, where you can be made new again. Leave that old water jar, because I know there's something better. I have met with someone, and he told me everything I ever knew and still accepted me, embraced me, and called me forward to a new sort of life. Come with me, all who are thirsty, for his name is Jesus. Isn't that the kind of community you want to be a part of? Well, let's be that church together.